0: This show is for you.
1: We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family, their life's most
0: important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default.
2: Hello and welcome back. This past week, Melissa did a really awesome post on Instagram about the eight things we did to rebuild our marriage after being separated. And that's a question that we get, we get asked quite often. You know, it's, you were separated planning to get divorced and you you saved your marriage and you've created, you know, something really beautiful. And I, and I think we have created a beautiful marriage, not a perfect marriage. Um,
3: no such thing.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, there's people are like, well, how did you actually, how did you do that?
3: Yeah. And I think people are asking sometimes just plain curiosity. And then I think. Other times people maybe are in a marriage where they feel a little, not hopeless, but like they're looking for resources and tools, like how can I improve my marriage? And so usually when someone asks us that, we'll just kind of, you know, I have a few things that we say, we'll say, you know, one or two things, but I've been more consistent on social media lately and trying to think ahead and plan ahead. And I just thought, you know, what if we put all the things that we sometimes say together in one post? And we really have never compiled it like that before. And anyway, I just think it turned out being something really good, like really useful. It was saved like hundreds of times by people, um, which I thought was cool. But it just shows me like, oh, people are looking for for information like this. Um, so we thought we'd share it because, yeah, it is good. And I was very proud secretly (laughs) i did have a few like marriage therapists that that i follow that follow me back like reshare it and say like this is the some of the best marriage advice i've seen on instagram and so i felt i felt like validated in the sense of like we really did do to rebuild to rebuild our marriage we did things that really are just principles that i think could apply to any marriage
2: yeah that that, that's what i was gonna say is and look maybe maybe some of you are at that place of kind of hopelessness in your marriage? We certainly were. Maybe, maybe you're at the place of ah, things. It's our marriage isn't good. It's not great, but maybe not hopeless. Then maybe you're maybe you're at the place of ah, our marriage is it's okay, like it's good times, bad times. And then maybe your marriage is like, no, it's pretty good. And I know that more is possible. And then maybe your marriage is that that's ah, amazing. And I'm committed. You know, we're committed to continuing to to level up. So at each of those phases, that's what, that's what I was thinking is these eight things would make a difference regardless of where you're at. And people have asked us, though, okay, what's the one thing you did? And that is the first thing that Melissa talked about here is we both made a conscious decision and decided to fight for our marriage. Like we decided To stay in the marriage we decided to be in the marriage and that may sound like simple and it may sound obvious it's like well you you obviously were in the marriage and my my buddy brad i've probably shared this before he makes this distinction the the difference between decision and deciding a lot of times we make a decision to do something but we don't decide to really be all in and i think that's a little bit how we were in our marriage we we made the decision to get married but had never really consciously decided to be married and fight for our marriage and i remember the conversation one night after we went to this really fun concert this is right in the thick of our struggles and we had just we decided we're gonna fight for our marriage but still hadn't really decided that we were gonna like be all in as i remember Mm -hmm. we hadn't decided like oh yeah divorce isn't an option like we're we're gonna stay married and we had this conversation one night after this concert and it was just like hey I i just want you to know like I'm deciding and choosing you right now, and I'm deciding to be married to you for the rest of my life. And Melissa said the same thing back to me. And it was like this moment of okay. And so we we've given that advice to a lot of couples and some and some have taken us up on it where they've never had that they've never had that conversation. And I think part of deciding to be in the marriage, Melissa had a really profound experience where it's like, oh, I'm not I'm not stuck in this marriage.
3: Yeah. And I that really was I, you know, I included that in in my post on Instagram because that really was important for me, like kind of a turning point where, and this was even a little bit later than, you know, that immediate time when we were separated, which I think maybe all that's important to point out, like right here at the beginning too, our rebuilding of our marriage was not like this linear progression. Like, I feel like we would make progress and then maybe like take, you know, one step forward and two steps or plateau, back. or yeah, or plateau. It wasn't like it was getting better necessarily every day, but when you look back over the course of, you know, months and then years, it's like you can see like that that progression, um, and that like bigger view than just like the day to day.
2: Yeah, that would actually be one thing. Maybe I would I would share as a as a perspective and maybe a caution, is if you start really working to strengthen or rebuild your marriage. That when there's a little hiccup, don't, don't view that as, oh, it's all hopeless. Oh, and, or don't, you know, if, if your spouse has a little hiccup, you know, probably not the most useful thing to be like, oh yeah, it looked like you, it looked like you were changing, but you'll never change. you change you're, yeah, you'll always be the, you know, it's like, like there will be some, 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 uh, some hills and some valleys, but over time, yeah, you can, you can really see like, wow, we really are making some progress.
3: But to close that loop that Chris is talking about about um I had this experience where I was actually talking to someone and they said, Well, you're not you don't have to be in this marriage. Like you're not stuck there. And the thought of, oh yeah, I'm not. Like I have a decision in all of this. And if the marriage is going to continue and be successful, it's going to be because I chose it to be not because anything was forced upon me. And that was actually super empowering to feel like, oh yeah, I have a say in how all of this turns out. I'm not just a helpless like victim in any of it
2: yeah and and one other thing I would add to this is and Melissa shared this in her post it's really tough to build a strong marriage if only one person's committed and so whatever you have to do to to have that conversation with each other and enroll each other into the into the possibility of having an amazing marriage even if it might seem that's like that's far away and just continue to enroll each other into that continue to recommit to your marriage continue to have that conversation of like, Hey, like I'm all in. And then the second thing, and this was, this was a big one is we each took a hundred percent responsibility for the success of the marriage.
3: Yeah. And that, I guess I kind of alluded to that a second ago, but it wasn't either one of us were stuck in the marriage We neither one of us were a victim to the marriage and we each had a part to play in the success of the marriage. And in the post, I, I like how I word it here. It says, we both created this and we could both get ourselves
2: out of it. I think I shared this this past week on social media. I'm reading a book called This Thing. The book is called This Thing Called You by Ernest Holmes. Amazing book. My favorite line in it so far is, what thought has done, thought can undo, which is just so powerful. So if, if you find yourself in a really tough place, Your thought has done a lot of that, but your thought can undo a lot of that. And I love like Melissa saying, yeah, if if we've created ourselves into this, well, then we can create ourselves out of this. And so to me, this idea of we each took 100% responsibility, Melissa and I used to be professional scorekeepers. We'd, We'd always joke about that. You know, and it was like, well, if you would do this, well, no, if you would do that. And we spent, it seems like more time keeping score and more time trying to fix each other than we did just taking 100% responsibility for what I could do and what I could improve and me. And it wasn't like a 50-50, it wasn't like a 70-30 or 90-10, it was 100-100, and not perfectly, not every day. And I heard one time a couple say something that they'd heard their parents say that, yes, we're both gonna strive to be 100% responsible for the marriage, and there might be some days where I have 10% to give, and maybe you can give 90. Or there may be days where I have 30% to give, and you can give 70, but we can still get to a hundred. And the goal would be though, that our intentions behind it is I'm going to take 100% responsibility for the marriage and not keep score if Melissa does or doesn't, and that was a really interesting, um, concept that we got out of a book called the go giver, which is not a marriage book. It's an amazing book, but it basically says that in life, we often think that a win-win is 50, 50, you hear that everywhere business. Marriages, friendships, like, oh, let's make this a 50 50 and win win. And it, and the book shows you that 50 50 is actually a lose to some degree because it's basically keeping score. I'll come 50% of the way, but I'm only coming 50% of the way. You have to come the other 50 And if you don't, I'll let you know. But I'm digging my heels in. And I'm only coming 50%. It's like, no, just 100 100. Okay, this kind of builds off that what we were talking about but a little little bit differently
3: so the next one is we chose to be responsible for our own happiness and that looks like an idea that we used often well you know thoughts like well if he would only do xyz then i would be happy or when she starts doing whatever thing then then i will be happy i think any of those thoughts were if you're basically putting your happiness in someone else's hands. I don't think that that is useful.
2: Yeah, not only is it not the wisest thing to do if you really think about it, it's like, why would I put my happiness in someone else's hands? That's really, that's really heavy on that other person. It's like, oh, wow, I have to be responsible for someone else's happiness. And it wasn't just like, well, if you do this, I would be. I, there was times where I had the thought, I can't be happy unless you're being this way, I cannot be happy unless you're doing these things. It's like, no, that's not true. And it, it, again, I think some of these things for Melissa and I, it was a way for us to almost be justified in our unhappiness or justified in why the marriage wasn't working. It's like, well, cause you don't do this and because I'm not happy. And so a lot of this is both deciding, Hey, we're going to fight for this. I'm 100% responsible for the success of the marriage. I'm 100% responsible for my own happiness. And that was, that was a huge realization, especially for me. I remember one night specifically we're on this walk and it just hits me. I'm like, man, why am I investing so much time, effort, and energy into trying to change Melissa? She's pretty amazing. <laughs> I should probably invest that in the change in me. Like I have a lot of work to do. And any work spent outside of me to try and change someone, is actually kind of ridiculous because the most impactful thing I could ever do to quote unquote change someone or influence them is be the most powerful me. Right? It's like the example I could set and just being the most loving, kind, confident, you know? And so this one was huge for me. It's like, yeah, you know, Chris, Einstein, (laughs) you probably have a lot of work to do on yourself. So stop trying to change everyone else.
3: You're jumping ahead.
2: Okay, sorry. Oh. (laughs) That's number four, uh, which is we decided to work on ourselves rather than work on each other. This was actually an interesting thing, too, for parenting. I think Melissa and I had this huge realization. I know this is about rebuilding marriage, but we've had a pretty significant, several realizations along our journey that the most powerful thing I could ever do for my parenting is to actually work on my personal development. Because if I become, if I become more loving, more kind, more patient, more confident in my own life, my own journey, that has to show up in my parenting and an example to my kids, but also yeah, in our marriage. And I would love for Melissa, I've said my part about this, so let's share your perspective on this, but I also want you to talk about how for a long time in our marriage, you were maybe a little bit more focused on what I was doing or not doing versus what you wanted to go out and do and what you wanted to go out and pursue.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of times well, at the time of our separation, we had two little boys, little, eighteen months old, and our second son, Tanner, he was truly like four weeks old. Um, and I just felt a little at that moment, just felt a little trapped in the sense that I was home all day, uh, with them, taking care of like little babies. And so I did and I can see how I ended up there because that's such a difficult, demanding time. Just felt kind of like a victim in it. Like I'm here and I can't pursue things that I want to pursue, do things that I want to do because I'm just here at home, like taking care of the kids. And But then I would get mad at Chris, like if he would go out and make, make it happen for himself, instead of being like working with him and saying, hey, there's also things that I want to do. Can we figure out a way that we can both do these? I would just get mad. At him for doing the things that he wanted to do.
2: And, and, and specifically, when we're talking about bettering yourself. And just, just, so I'm, I think I'm, I want to make sure I'm accurate. When yeah. you said things I wanted to do, it was like if you saw me going out pursuing personal growth, personal development,
3: or even just hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. Things that you wanted to improve in for yourself.
2: And I can say that I wasn't s- sensitive to that. I, I wasn't even aware of, hey, you know, going to Melissa saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to this leadership development conference, or I'm pursuing this personal growth or hiring this coach or pursuing this hobby or getting more into my fitness, I, I wish that I would have went to Melissa. Said, hey, what does that look like for you in, in your way? It doesn't have to be my way. And how can I support you in it? It took Melissa coming to me and saying, Hey, I want to develop, you know, part of my identity. In addition to being a mom, I want to pursue some of my own personal growth and personal development. And then I was able to support her, but it took her coming to me. And so I think what's interesting about this one is yeah, Melissa says here, we decided to work on ourselves rather than work on each other. Trying to change your spouse is actually pretty lame and futile. All that energy and emotion spent trying to change each other was better spent working on ourselves and on becoming the person we wanted to be. And I still think though, that you can support each other in it because how you pursue that growth can, and probably will look quite a bit differently. So Melissa's done a lot of personal growth and development that's different than me and vice versa. We have decided that once we do a quarterly getaway and one of those quarterly getaways each year is around personal growth and development we do together. And a lot of it is different.
3: And I think one thing I'll add here is that at that time when I was so busy with, you know, the little kids, I didn't know what I wanted, but I was just mad at Chris that he was going to go do things that he wanted. But I like if you were to ask me, well, what do you want to do? I truly would have been like, I don't know. Like, I just want to do something, but I'm going to hold it against you that you're doing the things that you want to do. So I think that's part of it, too, is really knowing like, what what do I want? Like, how do I want to grow and what do I want to pursue? And I think that's huge, especially for in my experience for me as a woman who was at home with our babies, I had kind of lost any sense of like, okay, well, what do what do I want to pursue? outside of this super important thing that i'm doing here but that kind of become my only thing
2: i think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that strong marriages are made up of strong individuals and strong families are made up of strong individuals and so the stronger each individual component the stronger the whole right that's that's where you really can get that like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts but only if the parts are whole and that was this the thing that hit me one time is that quote isn't always true the whole the whole is greater than the sum of its parts well i don't know i've seen some like our marriage the whole was not greater than the sum of its parts if we if we were a lot of times like a one plus one equals negative one but as we started to strive to become more whole individually then i was like i think it was like oh it's one plus one equals two now it's one plus one equals three it's a like one plus one equals ten you know it's like and that's what we're striving for and yeah so Pursue the things that matter to you and and get clear on those and then support each other. And the next one,
3: one? yeah, I'll introduce it. So the next one is we went to marriage counseling and that was really useful for us. And at the time, um, we'd only been married four years. I didn't, this was like 2009. I didn't really know that anyone that had gone to marriage counseling before. And so just the fact that I didn't have anyone we could ask to be like, hey, do you know of a good marriage counselor? This was before social media where you could just put it out on social media saying, hey, I'm asking for a friend. Does anyone know a good marriage counselor? So we just happened onto a marriage counselor because we felt like that was a good idea. Um, we didn't like the first marriage counselor we went to, we didn't feel We only went met with him one time. We just didn't feel like he was invested in us or in our marriage, the success of it. And we were like ready to write marriage counselors off like they don't work. But then we did decide, let's go see one more marriage counselor. And I actually just found him online. And it was important to me that I found a marriage counselor that was very pro-marriage. Yeah, I didn't want to go to a counselor that I felt like was going to be swaying us to end the marriage So I found someone online that on his website, he talked like of marriage and how important it was. Um, And then we went and saw him. And that was a night and a day difference between the first marriage counselor and the second marriage counselor. And I think um, after talking to other people, um, I had my friend Nikki on the podcast. She's a marriage therapist a while back. She said, oh, yeah, that that rapport or that relationship with your counselor is so important. And usually you can tell within one or two meetings, like if it's there. And I think that has to be there for both mm. couples, not just one or not just the other.
2: And what's interesting, a couple of things about this that I think are so fascinating about this one, about the marriage counselor. There was a time really early on in our marriage where I wanted to go see a marriage counselor and, and Melissa didn't want to and was unwilling to because I think of the perceived embarrassment. Like, well, if we go see a marriage counselor, then that means we're struggling. It's and like, well, we are struggling.
3: Okay, yeah. And we'd only been married a little bit. And yeah, I was just embarrassed of what that would look like quite frankly.
2: And then it reversed. And then later, like four years in when Melissa wanted, I was super resistant because of the, yeah. like, and what's so sad is we didn't, we didn't know anyone who had ever been to a marriage counselor. And then come to find out later, we knew tons of people that had been to marriage counseling that, that it would have been really useful if they would have shared that with us. I'm not saying that people have to run out and, talk about their challenges. And it highlights to me, though, something that I don't think we're helping people by portraying that our, we've never struggled in our marriage and that we haven't sought out help. I, it, it's not a weakness at all. In fact, it's a real strength. Like to have the courage and the strength to go seek out a marriage counselor or therapist. And we know a lot of couples now who have great marriages who still, once or twice a year, go sit down with a counselor, go sit down with a the therapist or sit down with a relationship coach because they want to continue to level up. And that is one of the reasons we have been so committed to being so, I guess, transparent on this podcast about our, our challenges and not just from the past, but present always will be is we want other couples to know that like it's a journey and we want other couples to find some hope and some strength in our, in our story and know that we're still committed to growing and that we're going to have struggles and challenges. And so that, that was always interesting to me that come to find out a lot of people had been to counseling but we didn't know a single person and yeah i'm grateful to Melissa because she's the one who really pushed for like no like let's let's go um and yeah the second marriage counselor we've talked about him before but i mean had a huge part literally in saving our marriage
3: and the next thing we recognized is that we couldn't be in conversations with people that weren't supportive of us staying together, and we didn't have anyone that was like really vocal about you guys shouldn't be together. We didn't have that at all, but we did have occasion to be in conversation with people who were un- in unhappy marriages themselves, and those people didn't speak highly of marriage, and they weren't encouraging of of us in in the sense of like working towards our ideal marriage, and so we realized. This isn't useful for us. Like our and again, I like how I always how I always say it here on Instagram. It says it's, it was just too risky and our marriage was too fragile to be surrounded by the negativity of people who were not in good places in their marriages
2: themselves. Yeah, I would say there was a second category. So there's people who were unhappy in their marriage at the time, and then there was people who were had had already been divorced and were pretty. Mm. I mean, you know, maybe rightfully so bitter or unhappy. And, and again, not that we didn't want to have a relationship with them. It's just, we realized at that time in our marriage, we only wanted to surround ourselves with people who would speak possibility in our marriage, who would read life into our marriage, who believed in, in us. And, and sometimes it actually was, was people who were divorced for me who would say, oh man, if I could go back, I would have really f- done this in my marriage. I would have fought for my marriage. I would have fought a little harder, you know? And I just think that's a principle, I think, in any aspect of your life. if there's an area of your life you're looking to grow in, if there's an area of your life you're looking to see more possibility in if there's an area of your life that you want to have more belief in that area of your life than you do now it it'd be really useful to surround yourself with people who are that possibility and who can you know help you foster some of that that belief so that was huge for us uh number seven is. We got really committed to a weekly date night because we were like, okay, if we're going to fight for this and really work to not, and and I I should, we should go back and say something at the very beginning. The most important thing we did was we decided, none of this could have happened had we not had that conversation where it was like, okay, I'm in this marriage. And Melissa's like, I'm in this marriage. Like we're deciding. And we also decided that night that we weren't just going to like save our marriage and like make it. If we were going to do this, like we were going to figure out a way to create an amazing marriage, a beautiful relationship together. And that was so far from reality for us that it felt even, I remember it feeling impossible saying it, It, but we still said it and we declared it, but we were so far from it. Um, and so then we, we realized, well, we can't just say, we're gonna create this beautiful relationship and then not do anything. And so we said, okay, we're gonna do a weekly date night. And I think in the last 14 years. We've not missed a whole lot of weekly date nights, truly. We went on a really fun one last night. I love going on dates with Melissa. It's going to happen every single week for the rest of our lives. Every single week, we will go on a date. I promise you. And it's because I never want to get remotely close to where we were. Like I'm never going to stop dating Melissa. I'm never going to stop treating her like my girlfriend because but one, I love her, and I always want to have that like fun excitement, like, oh, we're dating each other, like we're pursuing each other. And I'll say, some of those initial weekly date nights after moving back in were brutal. Like, <laughs> weren't they so like yeah. so awkward? We had nothing to talk about. And then when people say, like, when we're like, oh, we moved back in, we're gonna work on our marriage, we're we're we we decided to save our marriage. Well, it was like 5149. Meaning we were 51% in, and but like, yeah, so they, those initial dates were tough.
3: Yeah, it wasn't like this necessarily happy. We're so happy now. Let's move back in together. It was definitely, um, we were at a place at that point where it had started improving. We felt like, okay, let's move back in together. But it definitely wasn't, yeah, this glorious reunion.
2: And I would say, if you haven't had the conversation around non-negotiable weekly date night, I I, I would have that conversation. I I, I promise you, I'm going to make a bold promise here. I promise you that if you will start to go on a weekly date night, where you're really present with each other, and really there for like, it'll create miracles in your in your marriage and your relationship.
3: Yeah, just a statistic. It. Couples who date each other are more satisfied with their relationship. A study published in the Journal of Marriage and Family, couples who engage in regular date nights tend to report higher levels of relationship satisfaction and commitment. And who wouldn't want that?
2: Moral of the story, date each other, have fun together.
3: And I think to add here, when we did start going on dates, some of them were brutal. And we did try and plan other things to do like we went to that concert that you talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and I remember we went kayaking and we did fun things and I think that was really important that we started seeing each other outside of just this hard and heavy relationship that was we were always having a hard conversation it was like okay it was our night to kind of get outside of that and just ask ourselves how can we start having fun together again
2: that's actually a really important point. I think Melissa was the one who said that. She's like, every date we go on, it's just like this heavy, hard. Sh-. And she was like, can we have those conversations separate from date? Like, it, you know, we we're still gonna have those conversations, especially to the point where we're at in our marriage. But on dates, can we just have fun? So Melissa also did a post recently, five ideas for a better date night. By the way, if you're not following Melissa on Instagram, <laughs> our family brand, I don't even, I don't even know how you're making it through.
3: I am crushing it on <laughs> social. media She really is. Lately. And by crushing it, I just mean I've been posting, and that is crushing it for me. Well,
2: and great content. So, number one, do something different. Whether it's a new restaurant or a double date with some new friends, get out of your normal routine and comfort zone together. Number two, put your phones down. Show you're interested and invested by being fully present. These Three, are
3: all date night.
2: Date night ideas. ideas. Be active together. Hiking, bike rides, take a walk around a new park, go to a gym class together, do a yoga video. Four, prioritize date night. Make it a reoccurring appointment your calendar. Tip, we used to do our date nights on a weeknight because it was easier to get a babysitter and everything's less crowded. Five, take turns planning. The way you ch- get, the way you each get to choose something that you want to do, that way you, you each get to choose something you want to do and neither spouse feels the burden of having to do all the planning. So that could include arranging a babysitter, choosing where to eat dinner, what activities to do, etc. All that to say we're big believers in date night. In date night. Okay, number eight. And I'm sure there's other things we did. These were just the ones that Melissa really saw as foundational. And I totally agreed.
3: Which, yeah, in my post, I said, oh, there's like hundreds of little things I could say, but these are the ones that were present for me most
2: recently. And this is something that I talk a lot about, not just in marriage and family, but in your life, in your business. And that is when Melissa and I first decided we were going to fight for our marriage and I moved back into the house, we started realizing the only things that we ever talk about or think about as it relates to our marriage are the things that we don't want, that we don't like, that we don't have, and that aren't working. That really hit us one night. It's like, well, yeah, how could our marriage ever become more than that if that's all we talk about? If the only things that we ever talk about and focus on is what we don't like, what we don't have, what we don't want, and what isn't working, and we couldn't see at the time that by talking about those things, we just created more of them. Which is a principle also in your life. I think a lot of times it's easy just to I, you know, for people to only talk about and think about what they don't like, what they don't want, what they don't have, what isn't working in their life. And then they just get more of that. So we made this conscious choice that, okay, when it comes to our marriage, we're gonna start talking and focusing way more on what we do have, what we do like, what we do want and what is working see talking about what you don't want what you don't like what you don't have what isn't working that just has you look for evidence of more of that and scarcity and negativity but starting to look for and talk about what you do have what you do like what is working what you do want you start to think about possibility you start to think about creation if, if people would just shift that one thing in their life and their marriage you have no idea how good things could get, how quickly.
3: I think another, in the same vein, another thing that we did kind of prompted by our marriage counselor was he helped us remember what those things were that we initially kind of fell in love over. Like mm-hmm. those, we would, um, he had us tell initial, in that first meeting with him, he said, tell me your story. Tell me basically how you fell in love. And us reminiscing about those things and talking about those things really did I think bring us closer together because we had gotten to a point where it's like we couldn't see the good in each other anymore like all we could see was you know how again our marriage wasn't working and and how
2: how it would never work how it
3: would never work and why we weren't good for each other but having him prompt us to reminisce over those things really did have us saying like no we really did Have a really—I wouldn't say we never had a good marriage up to that point. We
2: had a cosmic connection at (laughs) one point.
3: (laughs) But the reasons why, like, there were definitely reasons why we had chosen to marry each other, and and those were big and important things for us to talk about and reminisce over.
2: Yeah, you're right. That is—that's actually really profound. It was two parts. It was, and here's here's what's interesting. I've had this conversation with individuals before, and they're like, "Well, Chris, there's nothing in my life though that works." There's nothing in my life that I have. There's nothing in my life that I want. There's nothing in my life that, you know, that, yeah. And I'm always like, and I'll push back. I'm like, are you sure we couldn't find one thing in your life that you have? Are you sure we couldn't find one thing in your life that's working? Are you sure we couldn't find one thing in your life that, that you do want, that you do have? And they'll find, well, and so again, it's like the mind will find evidence for whatever it looks for. And if you've given it evidence for long enough of all the negative things, It'll be tough, but I promise you, if you really want to, you can find something about your marriage that you do like, or about your spouse. You like, you can find something about your spouse or your marriage that you do have, you can find something that you do want. You can find something that you are grateful for that is working. And, and then I think that for us, part of that was also remembering, I like, remember that at one time we did feel certain feelings. Like we were attracted to each other for a reason and. Yeah, I mean this has been a 14-year journey for us. And I guess we just want you to know like a happy fulfilling marriage is like it's possible. And we really believe that your marriage is worth fighting for and I, and and if you're at this place, uh, maybe more on this more on the spectrum of hopelessness or just really struggling we, we can we'll link to an episode that we did a while back when we were living in Hawaii called why your marriage is worth fighting for. but I just, I believe that your marriage is worth fighting for in most, in most cases. and And not only is it worth fighting for, I believe you can fight for it and it'll take some time, but I believe you can create something really beautiful together.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the family brand podcast to say, thank you. We have something really awesome. We'd love to share with you.
0: You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed